Welcome to More Than a Few Words, a marketing podcast for small business owners. My name is Lorraine Ball, and I help small businesses become big businesses. And today, Allison Carter and I are talking about social media at 25 and 50. Good morning, y'all. I'm glad that uh, Lorraine could get up this early to join us. You know, she's got to take her naps during the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let's, let's, let's get real. One of us actually understands the early side of morning, and I'm guessing it's not your generation. Just because he can't sleep. <laughs> there is something to be said for not being asleep. He gets some work done at 4 a.m. We have a lot of fun at making fun of each other for our ages, but age demographics and social media are actually a very serious and important part of social media. But it is actually fun picking on Allison um, and referencing the fact that um, I have shoes that are older than she is. Lorraine and I come at social media from from very different perspectives, seeing that she is uh, twice my age and has a birthday coming up on Saturday. Um, Don't tell anyone, but she's actually going to hit the big (laughs) 5-5. Okay, don't tell anyone. You just broadcasted to our entire audience. Thank you. Cold dramatic irony because you expect one thing and then I tell them, see, it's just a whole thing. Yeah, 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 whatever. Okay, so let's talk about some of the um, some of the biases up front. And um, for those of you that are joining us, if you would like to um, call in and listen to the show, you can join us at 805-285-9865. If you'd like to ask a question, just push the one and that will signal us that you've got a question. Or you can send us your questions via Twitter, and you can address them to either Allison or I. While we're waiting for that, though, Allison, let's talk about biases first. I think that biases are huge in social media from a lot of different perspectives. Marketers, of course, have a bias because we all have different ages and so come at it from different demographics. For instance, it can be difficult, for instance, when you're 24, like I am, and trying to market to five-year-olds there's certainly an age bias there. I think that it also works the other way. I think there's a very definite bias both for and against young people actually doing social media. What do you think about that? Well, I think uh, twofold. On the one hand, there is this perception, I think, among people that younger, um, uh, younger users are going to be more technically literate with the software, but we tend to... Um, write them off sometimes, and then dismiss the entire medium as fluff and as toys and games. Um, I think that's really very far from the truth um, because I think there are um, some very tech, not just tech-savvy, but business-savvy individuals um, who are under the age of 25. Well, and I think that on the flip side, there's also another problem here. A lot of times people will automatically, I can't tell you how many clients we've had, will say, oh, I want you to train this person in social media. They're the youngest. They'll get it. But you know what? And I think that is a huge mistake because um, they may get the software. They they may understand the interfaces, but your intern or uh, student first year out of school is not going to have necessarily the same perspective on the uh, overall goals of the business, and we'll put something up on Facebook, but it may not necessarily be relevant for your business. And ultimately, that's the most important thing. You're not just putting things up on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever other social network you're using 
for fun and games, probably, if you're doing it from a business perspective. You ultimately want to increase your public relations, increase your bottom line, make an impact on your business. And if someone's just throwing stuff up there because they know how to use the Facebook, you're making a mistake. Young people aren't better at social media. Older people aren't better at social media. Smart people are better at social media who can combine the marketing savvy, the business know-how, and the technical skills. You know, one of the things, and we've been exploring this recently in our um, uh, survey on social media. Uh, we've been looking at it for a couple of weeks now on social media at both 20, uh, not at 25 and 50, but really from a business perspective. And one of the things that we've seen a huge change in year over year, when we were asking a year ago, what who was responsible for creating content for fan pages, we saw a huge number of interns being charged with that task. Just a year later, um, it is becoming more and more obvious that business owners are taking control of their social media platform. They are moving away from this bias of putting the youngest person in place, and that's a huge shift year over year. Um, we've also been looking at where do people have profiles? And when I compare people under 25 and um, people uh, over, uh, over 55 in our survey, um, there are some differences definitely emerging. Um, I wasn't really surprised. Um, in both cases, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter are the big three. But for the group over 55, um, LinkedIn is, is, is listed number one, Facebook is second, and Twitter is third. Hmm. Conversely, in the audience that is under 25, um, it flips. Facebook and Twitter are actually neck and neck, hmm. and LinkedIn is just slightly behind. Allison, what do you think about that in terms of your usage, what you hear people talking about? Does that seem to make sense to you? Now, say that again. You said that people under 25 Facebook and Twitter are neck and neck? In, in our particular survey, and this is, now this is biased towards business owners. Right. So when we're looking at business owners, young business owners versus older business owners, mm -hmm. um, Twitter and Facebook are yes. neck and neck. LinkedIn is a little bit behind. Conversely, in our older consumers, mm -hmm. um, LinkedIn is jumping out ahead in terms of where they have profiles. I actually do find it really interesting that uh, in the under 25 crowd, Facebook and Twitter are neck and neck because most of the of the larger, more not this isn't a great survey, but the more projectionable surveys, um, typically we find that the uh, age for Twitter tends to skew. They're ever so slightly older. We tend to find that the, the, the uh, average or median age on Twitter is usually right around 30, 35. Mm -hmm. So actually that does surprise me, and I, I have to wonder if the difference is because they're business owners, and perhaps it make a difference if they're B2B or B2C business owners too. Um, very, and, and that's going to be something I think that we'll need to kind of continue to explore. Something else that we asked in the survey that's really interesting, we asked people to tell us all the different all the different networks they use. And so Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn always emerge um, high. Um, among younger consumers, um, the other thing that really strikes me as interesting is Plaxo does not exist at all. It's, it's a complete zero. Whereas with my older consumers, there are still some holdovers that have profiles on that platform. 
And then the other thing that's really interesting, when I ask older consumers where their primary social media is, so, you know, you use all of these, but where do you really spend your time? For older consumers, it is Facebook number one. They're checking out their grandkids probably. LinkedIn number two. Twitter is a way, way far distant third. Younger business owners, want to guess what number one was? Over Twitter? By a huge margin. How much? Um, sorry. I'm, sorry. I, the, I'm looking at graphs, but I would say about 25% more mm-hmm. um, on Twitter, yep. followed by Facebook and LinkedIn far distant third. Interesting. And again, I, I do have to wonder uh, what that has to, uh, or how are our sample size and, and their particular profession affected? Because I see LinkedIn as arguably, depending on your industry, and because we work more with B2B companies, my perspective tends to be skewed that way, so do take this with a grain of salt. LinkedIn is arguably the most useful and most underutilized social network out there. Absolutely. And I think among. Um uh, two, two audiences that I think really, um, I think LinkedIn plays a huge role, and I don't think the schools do a good job of this. Younger consumers, kids in college looking for their first jobs need to be on LinkedIn, but the data is showing that they're really not gravitating there in large numbers yet. Well, I would say that when I was in college, and I graduated from college in 2009, so it's been two years now, um, almost exactly two years, so what, when I was in college, our professors said, you know, you need to be on LinkedIn. Well, we really viewed it and, and were told to view it more as an online resume. You set up the resume. Maybe, you, you know, you make a few connections with your professors and your classmates and your parents, friends, or whatever, and then you never come back. Mm-hmm. So really, I think there's a lack of, of, of training in, you know, everyone should set up a profile. But how do you actually use this? How do I use this right out of college to make connections at the companies where I want to be? Mm-hmm. Now, there are some college kids who are great at this. Don't get me wrong. But I think overall, career service centers, uh, capstone professors, and all the rest need to get more proactive in helping kids not just get on LinkedIn, but use it and use it well. Absolutely. So what are younger consumers um, using? What are they doing? What kind of differences from a marketing perspective? We had an interesting um, question from somebody about mobile usage, and you you had found some good data on that. Yeah, I want to thank uh, Drew Larison for asking us a really interesting question about how the age breaks down with mobile users. Uh, I found some really excellent information from Comscore. We can post this link uh, on the blog post after this is over um, so everybody can see it. And according to the data, roughly half, just slightly under about 48% of all smartphone users are aged 25 to 44. The next largest group at uh, about 25% is the 13 to 24 age group. So we are definitely seeing a bunch right in the middle of the demographic age range. Wow. Um, And, you know, one of the things about that statistic that really surprised me is is when iPhones came out, yes, I saw them as, um, you know, everybody who was hip and cool was was grabbing an iPhone. But I also saw it as the toy for the the executive 50 and older, you know, who had to have the latest and greatest of everything. Mm -hmm. But according to this, it really doesn't look like my peers are um, gravitating towards um, these phones. 
it doesn't look like they're gravitating towards them in large numbers. I mean, definitely there is a contingent of people who are over the age of 44 who are using these phones. But as part of a larger percentage, it's not really that significant. And that is surprising. Perhaps uh, executives have a secretary and don't feel the need for a smartphone. You know, um, uh, maybe, but, you know, I, I, I think that may be a holdover bias um, from the past because even when I was, was in corporate and I was um, an executive, um, the number of secretaries, the things they were doing were, were declining. Um, you know, and this goes back 10 and 12 years now because I've, you know, I've been running around head for 10. Um, and we, we were all gravitating towards the new cell phones and the plug-ins for our laptops so we could pick up um, uh, cell signals to use to make our connections. So it just surprises me that um, they're not, that that isn't translating here. Well, I think we have to remember everyone makes a whole lot of smartphones, but they still are not, you know, it's the echo chamber effect, isn't it? We think that everyone has a smartphone. Well, it's time for deep, dark confessions. (laughs) Okay, And, and, and this is always fun. So, as, uh, before we tell you, which one of us do you think has an iPhone and which one doesn't? Me at almost 55 or Allison at almost 25? Yeah, I, uh, it's kind of a trick question to me. Uh, I actually do not have a smartphone, though I have been thinking today. <laughs> That's um, because I won a $25 gift certificate by being able to text an answer during a presentation. My smartphone has texting learning. Uh, yeah, but it's slower. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. However, I think that we get so caught up in our world of executives and our world of marketing professionals and our world of people who feel this need to be connected 24-7 that we forget how many people there are out there who don't see that need. For instance, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you have a computer at your fingertips all day long and you got either a, a regular cell phone or a home landline, why would you really need a smartphone? Or maybe someone who works in perhaps a more traditional injury like man- industry like manufacturing. Is there really such a need to be connected with your emails one four seven? You know, it, it's uh, it is definitely a case of hanging with people who live, work, and do what you do that you lose sight of the bigger community. And I think that is a huge um, issue with small businesses or business owners in general getting that myopia. Um, I want to jump back to our survey real quick because there were some real interesting findings on how people use social media and, and what they're doing online. Um, one of the questions was, do you use social media too? And we gave people a range of choices. Um, in our audience of under 25, what do you think the most common thing they're doing on social media? Looking at pictures? Um Connect, uh, maybe put up by their friends, probably connecting because with friends. connecting with friends was number one with more than 80% of the responses saying that they're using social media daily to connect with friends. Um, when you flip over and you look at older consumers, that same question, the thing that they are most likely and I'm stalling as I'm flipping back and forth between screens. The thing that they're most likely to do, connect with friends is definitely um, one of the top two, but it is um, less than 25% do it every day. Hmm. Um, the, the big 
thing um, is um, finding information and then from a business perspective, building brand awareness. But none of these are more than 30 or 35% of the people responding. They're doing it every day. So when you're looking between younger and older consumers, they're both doing similar things. But it is very clear from, from this study that the younger consumers are doing it much more often. There's, there appears to be, at least from this study, a much higher level of interaction. That's a really interesting finding, and we would love to hear from you. Uh, your experience with social media, your experiences with age bias, or any other trends that you've noticed, we'd love to hear from you. Why don't you give us a call, and we'd love to chat. What's that number again, Lorraine? Um, the call-in number is 805-285-9865. And also, if you haven't um, participated in our social media survey yet, we're going to post a link to that as well. I'm going to be presenting the full report from that study at Blog Indiana next month. And um, if you're looking to engage in a conversation about small business and social media, join me at Blog Indiana. That is, I believe the website is blogindiana.com, but it might be blogindiana2011.com. Do you think it's because of my age that you got picked for a presentation and I didn't? <laughs> That's an interesting. Um, I'm totally kidding. That is a, not real at all. <laughs> but, but, but that's an interesting point. Going back to the bias is is that idea that um, uh, perhaps you um, people do bias against what you do or don't know um, based on uh, based on your age. Well, that's true. But we have to look at how many of the major social media players are under the age of 30. Let's take a look at the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Zuckerberg. He isn't 30 yet. I believe he's 26, 27, somewhere in there. So, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes uh, people my age, and me included, we like to say, oh, poor pitiful me. No one takes me seriously. They think I'm a kid. And that does happen. I'll be real honest with you. A lot of times we go into client meetings, People don't look at me seriously because I look like their grandkids. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I think that we found when Lorraine and I go on sales calls for social media packages, we kind of lend each other credibility. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about that a little bit? I think that um, uh, we drift into roles that our clients expect us to drift into, regardless of what we're actually doing behind the scenes. Um, I tend to drift to the older statesman role, the sort of marketing strategist, and I let Allison drift towards the um, uh, social media from a tool and what's happening on social media perspective. Um, the reality, we both live and work in the tool so much, I think we go back and forth and we do, I think we learn from each other. Um, and I think that that coming at it from two very different perspectives was really clear even today. We were at the social media breakfast. Yeah. We sat there for an hour on different sides of the room. We watched the same presentation. Walking out of there, Allison had half a dozen ideas about ShopKick. Uh, that, this is a whole other story. I'm sure we'll do one down the road of uh, one of these podcasts down the road on location-based services. But I was very intrigued by the uh, the real marketing potential that I see in ShopKick. Whereas Lorraine, I was all about the information on Google Places and really um, listening to, from a, a search engine optimization perspective, 
what people are and aren't doing with their um, their Google pages. So very clear to us that um, we listen with different ears, and the real benefit is when we get back together and 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 sort of review. Um, when talking about those social media and some of the biases, um, and Allison mentioned this earlier, looking at younger children, um, we have a project where we're working on uh, trying to connect via social media with younger children. And Allison's had sort of an interesting and somewhat frightening experience in delving into the social media world of the tween. Well, it's not just the tween. You know, uh, I, I don't have kids, so I'm somewhat removed from, from the world of, of small people. Um, but <laughs> I, I certainly had quite an education yesterday as I was looking at some of the top social networks for tweens and for kids. Um, it's very interesting. Often, as a security measure, you aren't networking as yourself, but rather as some brightly colored avatar. For instance, in Club Penguin, you are a penguin, or in webkins where that great idea where you have to buy an adorable stuffed toy in real life to play the game on the internet, you are playing as your pet. We see this virtual pet as avatar thing repeated throughout many of the top quote-unquote social networking sites for kids. That was one of the biggest differences. And I think it's a great idea as a way of protecting children's real identities and protecting them from online predators. One of the other things, though, that I think I found a little bit disappointing when I was looking at social media um, communities for children was that most of the bigger successful communities have been created by <laughs> companies. And, and, and when I say companies, it's not social media companies. They've been created by Disney. They've been created by Viacom. Viacom. So they built these, these wonderful, fun communities. Even going back when my kids were little, M&M's had one, had a, had a website that, that they, and so what you're seeing in this younger market is these, and, and I want to say artificial communities, but these communities being created to uh, connect with ki kids, but it is definitively about the commercial and the retail undercurrent that um, doesn't exist as blatantly on some of the adult communities. And, you know, this is, this is really an up-and-coming topic that's starting to get a lot of airtime. How much advertising is too much advertising for kids, and what should people be allowed to advertise and not advertise? The FCC and the FDA have been talking fairly significantly about um, the advertisement of sugary cereals and, and fatty, unhealthy foods to children and, and teens. They're taking them separately. But we can see very plainly through these sites like Club Penguin, like, like Webkins, like Neopets, like some of these other social sites for kids, they're all about selling something in one way or another. And some of it is so clever and so subliminal, kids won't even notice. Mm -hmm. and, and so where is that line? Is it really ethical for these huge megacorps to be, to be owning these and essentially, I don't want to say indoctrinating, but, you know, for a young, impressionable kid, it can be very difficult to draw the line between what's happening in that virtual world with their fun penguin friends mm -hmm. and going to the real world and the consequences of what can happen there. It, yeah, it, um, I, I think, it, you know, it's sort of that next generation, um, a lot of these same questions, I think, 25 years ago, we were asking ourselves about um, Saturday morning cartoons you know, that our children were watching and and how influential was the advertising. And, and this, this, these are the same questions 
I think the thing about advertising is good advertising, good marketing hasn't really changed in 50 years. Consumer behavior, influencing factors, what has changed are the mediums and the methods. And so the questions that you're raising about what is or isn't appropriate um, on the Internet, um, we're raising a generation, um, and it's, Time moves very quickly. We're raising a group of consumers who 10 years ago, 10 years from now are going to be 25. Will they be on Facebook or will they stay in these other communities and will the communities age and grow with them? You know, that's, that's a wonderful question. I actually just read the most fascinating article, I think it was in Business Week, on the rise and fall of MySpace. We all remember MySpace, and, you know, let me just say, while MySpace is the butt of a lot of jokes these days, it's still expected to make $187 million this year, so we should all be lucky to have such a failure, right? But um, it's interesting because for a while, MySpace, it, it was the cool place. It was where the musicians hung out and the cool kids. Everyone wanted to be on MySpace. Now, it's the butt of every joke. Well, and I think one of the things that was interesting that kind of happened in, in the transition and really shows, I think, the fluidity of the networks when anybody could be on MySpace. And then along comes Facebook, and you have to be at certain universities, or you have to be a college kid to get on. So what you saw evolving were two very different communities. Kids that were in college were on Facebook. Kids that weren't were um, on MySpace. And it was this really clear line between the uh, university kids and the townies. It was you know? almost a class divide, white collar, blue collar. Very, it was a very interesting dynamic. And so then Facebook opens up and everybody migrates to Facebook. Even, um, even the people that really were probably more comfortable in the MySpace community, and that's when you really saw a lot of jokes. What you're seeing now is Facebook is finding its new place. That's right, MySpace is finding its new place. But the thing is, as parents come to Facebook, kids start wondering whether they want to stay. And so the question is, what's going to be that next new thing? Um, the, the idea that Facebook is invincible and Facebook is forever, I think is really naive. I agree. I don't think anything is forever. On the whole parents, kids things, will, will kids still be there if their parents are there? Facebook has been open to the public since, what, 07, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. They've had four years to get used to that. Um, and we are seeing more and more grandparents and parents coming on. So I think that kids are getting a lot smarter about two things, what they share <laughs> and their privacy settings. Mm-hmm. Because we all know it's very easy to create lists and block people from certain things. But I do think this is a huge lesson for small business owners. People ask us all the time, well, if I have a Facebook fan page, do I really need a web page? Yes. Let's settle this debate once and for all. Yes, period. Mm-hmm. And and we can come back to that at a later date. But as I'm looking at the time, we are um, just about running out of time. Um, if you've enjoyed today's conversation, if you'd like to add your thoughts to the discussion, we'll have a blog post available um, early next week with the contents. You'll be able to uh, listen to this program again and again, either from Blog Talk Radio or from our channel on iTunes. If you'd like information on other marketing, social media, and web topics, be sure to check out our blog at www.roundhead.biz.
like to thank everyone for some great conversations online, particularly Drew Larison. I've been reading them. I just haven't had a chance to, to respond to them all, but we'll be chatting later. Love to continue this conversation on Twitter. Please feel free to tweet uh, me at Allison L. Carter or Lorraine at Rampage. Thanks again for listening. This has been more than a few words. We'll talk to you soon. Bye now.